Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're back on the air this wonderful Tuesday. Lou, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, today's uh, one of those first days of fall up here in New Jersey. Uh, a lot of leaf raking and so on. Uh, actually, Saturday, I think they even said they're going to have snow showers. So you you down oh. in Atlanta, uh, you don't have to worry about that. And our, and our guest is from Texas, so he has to worry about it less. But uh, before we introduce him, what's going on in the news? Well, let me go backwards, uh, give a little uh, talk of uh, our postscript of the last two shows, actually. Uh, we had uh, went into discussions about quality in manufacturing, which is uh, clearly an understated and underplayed aspect of the manufacturing uh, world. Uh, we had Michael Barry from the American Society of Quality on, and uh, his show was uh, so good on the first show that we decided that we needed to carry it over, and we did two shows back-to-back. One of the important things that Barry brought out to us is that without quality, you don't have a product. And there's two two hours of that discussion, uh, plus uh, other aspects of his uh, role in, in, in the quality world. Um, quality has to be a top-down methodology from the president, CEO of a company, right down to the shipping dock. And I, I strongly suggest that uh, our listeners listen to our show S2-16 and S2-17. Uh, it was the last two shows. Really good stuff. As far as the news is concerned, it's uh, something that actually came out uh, just yesterday. It's hot. It's about manufacturing. Uh, AP reported it with the story that... Uh, our President Obama has announced uh, executive actions to focus, finally, on uh, manufacturing. A uh, major push is in the following areas where there's $150 million has been dedicated to the Department of Commerce to help 10 states for training, apprenticeships, new technology, and such. Another $100 million to the Labor Department, again for apprenticeship for advanced manufacturing training. Uh, NASA Energy and uh, Agriculture uh, was given $300 million to develop new materials for digital manufacturing. The one thing that, I, and this is all great stuff, and uh, the, unfortunately it's over a 10 year period, so it's sort of a drop in the bucket. But it is interesting that this came out yesterday, uh, just one week prior to the midterm elections. You can draw whatever conclusions you would like to off of that. <laughs> I'm not going to trash anybody in particular. So, Tim, back to you. Well, thanks, Lou. Uh, yeah, we, we, we don't throw any particular party under the bus. We just throw the whole government under the bus. And I would like to introduce uh, Mr. Tony Bennett, who's president and CEO of the Texas Association of Manufacturers. It's an Austin-based 
Industry Trade Association representing over 450 member companies. Uh, Tony recently returned to uh, Texas Association of Manufacturers, known as TAM, T-A-M, as president following a 33-year career with Temple Inland Incorporated, a former forest products and financial services company that's now part of International Paper. Tony, how are you today? Great, Tim. Good to be on with you. Well, we sure appreciate you having uh, having you on the show. Why don't you give our listeners kind of a feel for what TAM is and what TAM does, and then we'll start getting into some of the uh, exciting things happening in the great state of Texas. Sure. Uh, TAM was started back in 2005. Most of our members uh, back then, the founding members, of course, were members of the big business trade associations here in Austin and, and around Texas that uh, did what they could for industry before the legislature. But what we were lacking, we noticed, was really the direct, uh, more strategic uh, policy that really wasn't being taken care of long term for just manufacturing in the great state of Texas, and there is a, a diverse um, se- sector, all kinds of sectors of manufacturing in Texas, as you might guess. It's not just an oil and gas state, but it's got a lot of things going on. We can talk about some of those. So we decided to uh, resurrect the manufacturing group. It had gone into uh, hibernation somewhat under the auspices of other trade groups, and uh, we we felt like we just were being underserved. So uh, I was with Temple Inland at the time, and we put together a group very quickly. And uh, today, um, well, next year, with the legislative session starting in January, we will celebrate our 10th anniversary as the Texas Association of Manufacturers. And we're now up to 480 member companies. And, of course, uh, we've got a lot going on with the session coming back into town and preparing for that right now and uh, looking forward to the session. And our our session will last from January till uh, the end of May. So, And we only meet every other year, so that gives you an idea of of just how much has to get done in that five-month period. Wow. Now, Tony, uh, what is the impact of manufacturing on the Texas economy, and why is Texas a a good place for manufacturing? I understand that Toyota just moved their headquarters to uh, Texas. Toyota did. We were up in Dallas, uh, actually Plano, which is a suburb of Dallas, just north Dallas, uh, yesterday, and Toyota is moving, uh, consolidating all of its headquarters uh, to uh, the Plano office and a very exciting time. Governor Perry, of course, was up there and lots of the legislative members that were involved in that. And so it was a great day uh, to see uh, Toyota uh, finally make that uh, a formal uh, venture up there in Plano. We look forward to working with them. And Toyota is a TAM member. Matter of fact, they were a founding member of uh, the Texas Association of Manufacturers. Manufacturing in Texas today is is huge, as you might imagine. We uh, are seeing employment in the manufacturing sector approaching 900,000 jobs. 
uh, our average annual pay for manufacturer uh, manufacturing employees in Texas is seventy nine thousand dollars a year. Wow. That's eighty four percent more than the rest of the Texas workforce as far as compensation. We uh, are seeing gross state product uh, from manufacturing uh, at now a level of $211 billion a year, that's with a B, to the Texas economy. 95% of all Texas exports are manufactured goods, and we, we do like to brag we are the number one exporting state in the U.S., and I believe we've had that distinction for the last uh, – 12 years, if I'm not mistaken. And so it is, manufacturing is huge. Just about every sector you can think of is represented uh, in manufacturing in the great state of Texas. Well, I would, uh, go ahead. Uh, Tony, uh, being the number one state, I'm just curious what the percentage uh, of export is the oil and gas, being that the U.S. is now a net exporter. Uh, in that sector. Do you, do you know that number? I do not have that number. Uh, you know, a lot of the products from the petrochemical or petroleum liquid uh, used as a raw material, most of the finished products like chemicals, which many of those are created from natural gas, uh, diesel fuel, which is, you know, uh, manufactured at the refineries along the Texas Gulf Coast and some some inland, but most of them are on the Texas Gulf Coast and most of the chemical plants are on the Texas Gulf Coast so that the, uh, you know, the, the ports can readily and, and efficiently and at a lower cost uh, get those goods all over the world. So uh, the petrochemical industry is huge in, in Texas and that provides... Uh, a lot of uh, related industries that do very well that uh, kind of spin off uh, the petrochemical and the petroleum liquid uh, used as raw material. Uh, you know, those those industries do very well here. With the uh, price of uh, uh, oil uh, either approaching or has already approached uh, $80 a barrel, what is that going to do to the manufacturing sector there, particularly in the areas that you just mentioned? Well, both natural gas and per barrel price of oil will, you know, hurt some and help others. And uh, the chemical industry, I'm sure, does not mind paying a little bit less for their raw materials. Uh, while on the other hand, uh, some of my oil and gas members that uh, also have ventures uh, in exploration and production. Uh, you know, sometimes they get a little worried about the uh, the lower price of uh, uh, West Texas Intermediate, and uh, they will uh, they'll make adjustments. No one ever believed that oil would stay at ninety to hundred dollars, and it does take its uh, its uh, dip here and here and then. Uh, but once the global economy starts back up. I, I think that there's something that uh, we globally need to do uh, with regards to ISIS, uh, not to get into global politics, but they are selling uh, 
uh, oil in the Mideast at uh, $25 a barrel. Uh, that certainly doesn't um, help the market price at all. Um, this is something that really needs to be addressed. Otherwise, you're going to wind up seeing a global collapse. No doubt. No doubt. It's almost piracy. It is piracy in that case. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, they're clearly selling uh, oil they stole from the oil fields they took over. Uh, Tony, what is the uh, what are the challenges that Texas manufacturers face? I know you and I spoke uh, before the show, and and you brought up uh, the carbon rule and the EPA. Can you kind of share with our listeners what the challenges are there? Yes, we can. We can kind of do a, a local or state level uh, list, and then we can move to the the federal uh, realm. But uh, okay. Uh, at the state level, you know, manufacturers really have <clears throat> heaven on earth uh, in Texas. You know, generally speaking, uh, we we typically rank uh, number one or number two, maybe number three in just about every poll where you're you're measuring uh, business friendly environments, and and uh, you know we we work very hard to keep it that way here at TAM and continuously trying to improve that every legislative session. Uh, But at the state level, since we don't have a state income tax, and uh, we consider ourselves fortunate that we don't, it does put a little extra pressure on the property tax, for example. If you're a capital-intensive manufacturer, and and most manufacturers are capital-intensive, they have you know, plant property and equipment, and we, we also have a business inventory or or personal property tax that is, <clears throat> excuse me, part of the uh, Avalorum tax uh, situation in, 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 the, in the state. We, we see a very heavy property tax burden for most manufacturers, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not subsiding. It seems to be ever-increasing. And so there's always a constant battle uh, to do something about uh, the property tax burden on heavy industry and and even the small to medium-sized industries. Members that are in TAM will tell you that it's a major concern. You know, how can we continue to uh, see these uh, escalations in, in ad valorem taxes? So that's a concern. Uh, And and again, I mentioned that Texas is only one of 11 states in the U.S. that has a business inventory property tax, and uh, we're scratching our heads every session to see how we might be able to reform that or even eliminate it. Uh, I know we had a bill last session that helped – one very critical sector of our economy, the aerospace aviation industry. And uh, we need to do more to help that segment. It, those are high-paying jobs. They have uh, There's a lot of uh, aerospace and aviation uh, activity going on in, in Texas and the DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth area, in Houston, of course, and we've had a couple of announcements recently with SpaceX and, and uh, other uh, space and uh, 
you know, aerospace-related industries coming to the state, which is great, but we still need to do more in the area of getting rid of those impediments that uh, are preventing even more growth in that area. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, a workforce skills gap is still uh, something of a challenge in Texas. Uh, We've got, uh, you know, very... uh, incredible growth in the manufacturing sector, but we do have certain skills that are hard to find, Uh, not just welders and not just pipe fitters, but uh, all kinds of skills uh, across the spectrum, even engineers that we, uh, you know, like most areas in the U.S., engineers are hard to find and uh, in high demand. Uh, We also have a, a, a a lengthy environmental permit process here. Texas is one of very few states that has a a court-like, trial-like uh, process to get an environmental permit, and uh, most states do not. The EPA doesn't even require that kind of process. So we have uh, we have our challenge with the Texas legislature to see if we can uh, streamline the environmental permit process so that it doesn't take uh, twice as long as some of our neighboring states uh, like Louisiana and Oklahoma that uh, can get an environmental permit for a manufacturer much more quickly. And then the water and transportation infrastructure challenges remain. We're a very fast-growing state. Uh, The drought has magnified uh, the problem of water infrastructure inadequacy here. And then, of course, we can't build highways uh, and rails and ports and airports fast enough to keep up with the growth. So all those are statewide, uh, state-level impediments. So, Tony, um, what percentage, if there is such a thing, a percentage is our governments, either state or federal, really impeding the growth of our our economy, uh, either state or, or national? I know the EPA is uh, not particularly uh, business-friendly, uh, maybe one of the most disliked or, uh, government organizations in, uh, in the country. Um, it sounds as though Texas has their issues as well. Um, any comments on that? You bet. At the federal level, you know, the Obama administration and and their EPA, uh, it's been a, an absolute disaster to to uh, trying to have uh, you know provide growth and an opportunity for uh, Texas manufacturers as as all states uh, industry is witnessed over the last uh, six six years, and uh, we look forward to a, a change in the administration because that's the only way we're going get, to get any hope of uh, relief. Uh, you know, business likes certainty. If you don't have certainty, you cannot make long-term plans. You cannot invest capital wisely. You can't hire people. And uh, the uh, present EPA has put layer upon layer upon layer of 
ridiculous and and unrealistic uh, regulation on uh, Texas industries to the point where you know many of uh, many of our industries are you know throwing their hands up until we have an administrative change and they're they're basically burrowing down and uh, uh, where where they can't litigate their way out of it and buy time with uh, you know uh, filing lawsuits against the federal government with fortunately with the help of our attorney general here and and our governor uh, they're just uh, biding time until uh, things get better. That's it's almost tragic. Uh, I want to come back to this, and particularly I want to come back to the carbon rule, Tony, but we're going to take a quick commercial break, and uh, we'll be right back for our listeners with Manufacturing Talk Radio and Tony Bennett, president of the Texas Association of Manufacturers. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.COM. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.COM. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we are back with Tony Bennett, president of the Texas Association of Manufacturers, and my co-host, Lou Weiss, of All Metals and Forge Group, who is also our show sponsor. I'm Tim Grady. And, Tony, I want to talk to you about the uh, carbon rule. What's the story on the carbon rule? Well, we believe... (laughs) that it is uh, simply an attack on the coal plants that generate electricity and on the ultimately the fossil fuel uh, industry and ultimately uh, trying to level the playing field in our opinion of uh, how 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 expensive it is for renewable energy to make it in a fossil fuel electric generating world and if if this rule uh, passes in the form that it's in today it will uh, in our opinion 
allow uh, solar and wind power to compete more, uh, um, much more better with uh, with the natural gas and with the coal industry generated electricity. That's that's our opinion. Well, I think what I'm hearing and uh, looking at this a little ourselves that what uh, the government is trying to do is pile dirt on the coal and fossil fuel industry. So the leveling of the field means raising the level of the field because wind power and solar power are going to be more expensive forms of electricity generation, are they not, Tony? They are considerably more expensive when you when you calculate all that you need to calculate to determine what is the delivered cost of that kilowatt or megawatt. In, in Texas, um, you know, we, we have a diverse uh, source of uh, generation. Uh, we, we are huge uh, uh, generators from wind, uh, wind power. Uh, if you drive out to West Texas, you'll see thousands upon thousands of uh, the uh, wind towers that are providing uh, good uh, good pricing for energy. Uh, you do have to calculate what it cost us it, billions of dollars with a B to uh, provide the CREZ transmission lines that run way out to West Texas to bring that power into Houston or into the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so you have to calculate that. And then, of course, on solar, solar is still uh, a very expensive form of energy. TAM members believe that we need all all sources of generation, all all uh, sectors of uh, of energy and electricity power generation, and uh, we like to see all of them uh, compete on their own and within, uh, you know, uh, the marketplace, a free market. And uh, we think the government is trying to put their thumb on the scales here. I would agree. I, I We would all like to see solar energy come down in price. Uh, we'd all love to have solar panels on our rooftop and generate enough solar electricity that we could sell back to the grid, and that would be a nice position to be in. But I would agree that the government, you know, the intention is good. The approach is dead wrong, I'm afraid. Uh, and I think that's uh, going to hurt even the homeowner. Uh, the, the electric bill for the homeowner has got to go up if they, if they put the carbon rule in place the way it's written today. Let's talk yes. for a minute. I'm sorry, Tony. Go ahead. Comment. No, I was Let going me. to say that the, the EPA does admit that uh, the carbon rule will drive uh, elect, electricity prices higher. Uh, we think they're way off on their estimate. It will be considerably higher. And that will make, of course, my member companies much much less competitive in a global economy. Well, if they're anywhere near as off as they were on the Affordable Care Act and premiums on health insurance policies, we're going to get crushed. Uh, let's let's change topics for a minute because you uh, gave out a figure of uh, the average compensation for the almost 900,000 Texans working in the manufacturing sector of almost $80,000 a year. I mean, what a great number. That's that's a nice income for people. 
how are manufacturing careers different today, Tony, than they were 30 years ago? They're much more sophisticated. They do require uh, a year or two, sometimes more, of training and certification. Uh, they are uh, much more technical. Uh, you, uh, I think you can understand that um, even, even in the uh, industry where I came from, uh, which was forest products, uh, I recall when we first put in the laser uh, computer high-tech system to, that looked at a log, a southern pine log running across the, uh, the sawmill, and the laser in milliseconds would determine and feed the information to the computer to determine what products were going to be cut out of that log how many two-by-fours, wow. two-by-sixes, two-by-eights, what lengths, all in, a, all in an effort to maximize the uh, return on investment of that log, and then what uh, volume of wood chips and sawdust and bark would fall into other hoppers to power the mill and to make particle board at the mill next door, et cetera. Uh, you know, technology is everywhere in manufacturing. You don't just walk into the plant and start using it. And we need people that have uh, good sense and good work ethic, and manufacturers are willing to pay to keep those folks, and they are very valuable, and consequently a career in manufacturing is a phenomenal way to go today for young people. Uh, Tony, the report that I was talking about earlier, the uh, presidential uh, U.S. advanced manufacturing report, which just came out uh, within the last week or so, it had been stated and the consensus was that in manufacturing there were about 600,000 vacant jobs with not a lot of people filling those jobs. According to this new report, they've now come out with the numbers stating that that number is now 312,000 uh, openings in manufacturing, uh, nearly half of what it was um, about a year, a year and a half ago. So we are doing something right, um, and uh, th there are many training programs that are beginning to open up. Uh, Manufacturing Day, which was uh, October 3rd, which is now designated the official uh, Manufacturing Day in the United States. They had over 100,000 people cross-country uh, involved in that, uh, uh, that, that event and about 1,500 companies. So the, the government and associations uh, are really pushing uh, to ramp ramp this country up again in terms of uh, employment and uh, and new skill sets. Uh, I don't know about the gray hairs. I think the gray hairs are you know just beginning to retreat into their uh, rocking chair. Um, but but we do have uh, a lot of youngsters coming out of school with big college tuitions that they have to pay, uh, which is another topic. Uh, for us to discuss probably on another show uh, and how they're going to pay those uh, bills. But I guess at an eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 manufacturing job, you can ultimately pay them off. 
Uh, Tim? And Tony, I know that Texas has been doing things very right. Uh, why don't you share with our listeners the uh, HB5 uh, education reform bill that's uh, percolating in the legislature? You bet. That bill did pass last session in 2013. We were astounded that we were able to get uh, the reforms done in one session. We thought it would be a multi-session, you know, at least a decade-long process to turn the education system around. But basically what House Bill 5 uh, did, and we're implementing it as we speak, it creates five endorsements or what I'd like to call, you know, different uh, degrees in high school where kids can already begin to to uh, shape their what direction in their career they want to go. Um, I hope I can name all five of the endorsements, but the two most important ones for manufacturing are the business and industry endorsement. That's one. And then you have the STEM endorsement, science, technology, engineering, and math, where uh, where uh, many of the kids will go on to uh, become engineers or or something uh, along the lines of um, uh, probably a, a four-year degree, but not necessarily. And then you've got the other three degrees, um, or other three endorsements, I should say, or there's a public service endorsement, there's an arts and humanities endorsement, and I believe the fifth one is an an interdisciplinary endorsement, which is a hybrid of all. So it it allows, uh, hopefully, in the case of uh, business and industry endorsement, what we're hoping to see is that the kids, uh, after they've done their basic uh, English and uh, social studies, uh, they they may drive their own car or bus or bus over to a junior college, community college, or even four-year university, and continue their high school uh, education and and credits with uh, a dual credit situation where they take uh, a a course uh, at the community college that would, um, you know, provide the high school and also some college credit in a career or technology type instructional setting. And uh, that may even allow them to graduate high school with an internationally recognized certificate, you know, for example. Um, And they could uh, maybe start work once they're out of even high school with uh, Southwest Airlines working on jets or, or start with Lockheed Martin like many of the kids in San Antonio do. And, and also attend Alamo College. And uh, some of those uh, kids have gone on to work out of high school and going, continuing their education uh, provided by the employer, paid for by the employer, and, in, and end up you know, being engineers and, and uh, managers for many of these companies that, uh, that I've mentioned. Well, I know that uh, you know, there's a couple of disconnects with uh, 
either kids not knowing that the jobs exist or they have a misconception. You've been doing symposiums in Texas. Is that TAM that's doing those symposiums, uh, Tony? Well, it's through TAM as part of the symposiums through our Jobs for Texas Coalition, which is the chemical industry, uh, the the petrochemical industry, I should say, the uh, manufacturers, the contractors, et cetera, the home builders. Uh, We have one coalition that helped helped uh, and uh, to pass uh, House Bill 5 and continuing to implement it. And it's the first time that I've ever seen uh, a couple of hundred folks gather in, in one large room That's that were from industry, higher education, <clears throat> uh, public education, the, the grade schools, uh, the Texas Workforce Commission, and legislators and you know, state government all in one room talking about how can we get our kids better prepared for college and career and equal emphasis on career. Because obviously not all kids are going to go to college. Not all kids have to go to college to make a a very good living with very high wages and benefits and an opportunity for advancement. Uh, certainly uh, want to see kids continue to go to four-year universities and, and we need we need engineers we need uh, you know the uh, the uh, directors and higher level managerial positions filled with competent people but we also need folks that know how to run a multi-million multi-billion dollar plant and uh, we, we need every kind of skill set you can imagine in, in Texas, and, and our members uh, strongly support any and all efforts to get uh, folks better prepared for all of these levels of uh, job opportunities. Uh, Tony, that uh, being said, uh, I'm going to take a little left turn uh, on you here. Uh, over the next two years, uh, there's going to be more than uh, 400,000 uh, veterans leaving the service. Um, is is Texas doing anything to try and capitalize on the, the, the governmental investment in these people who did learn very specific uh, skill sets? And is there a way to transition those skill sets into a manufacturing environment? Absolutely. We, we did attend. We've had a, a few meetings here in the state. Uh, and TAM uh, has been uh, assisting any way we can with this. The governor uh, 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 called for a program called Fast Start, which, uh, which basically fast-tracks uh, some of the experiences that the, our veterans have. And they have a lot of experience in a lot of areas that can easily be transmitted into uh, a work skill that can be used by the by the uh, <clears throat> refining industry, the chemical industry, the, the aerospace industry, the uh, our plastics uh, industries, uh, the oil field, uh, you name it. Uh, that they come ready and willing and uh, with excellent, uh, you know, work ethic. They actually show up on time. <laughs> And uh, they 
they are they they make a very good employee in the manufacturing world and the Texas Workforce Commission and the community colleges and uh, state government uh, here is working wholeheartedly trying to move these men and women into jobs uh, as soon as they they land at Fort Hood and and get released you know and uh, and uh, all the other uh, forts that are here in the state, the, we're ready for them and doing our best to get them into a a good career uh, in the private sector. Well, I'm glad to hear that because they certainly are deserving uh, of our uh, interest and concern. Absolutely. So Toyota mentioned that yesterday, how many uh, tens of thousands of uh, veterans uh, they have been able to move into their their employment, and uh, uh, we, were, we were all very proud to hear that. Well, Tony, we're going to take another commercial break here, and when we come back, I'd like to talk to you about a couple of things that have come up in conversation. One is the work ethic. Another is the misconception about manufacturing jobs in the United States. But we'll have a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back to those subjects with our guest, Tony Bennett of the Texas Association of Manufacturers, here on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. All Metals and Forge Group manufactures open-die forging in blocks, hubs, shafts, flanges, cylinders, gear blanks, and custom forge shapes, including seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, nickel alloys, copper and titanium for parts and assemblies in aerospace, oil and gas exploration, defense, machinery, transportation, shipbuilding, energy and power, pulp and paper, and many other industries. Visit steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. It's no secret that manufacturers are having trouble filling jobs. Now, with ThomasNet's new job board, help is on the way. For manufacturers, ThomasNetJobs.com is the go-to resource to recruit new talent. Post your jobs and get in front of thousands of potential employees. Or, if you're looking for a new job or you want to reinvent yourself, ThomasNetJobs.com offers exciting opportunities from the shop floor to the C-suite in supply chain management, engineering, production, or sales. Remember... ThomasNetJobs.com. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're back with uh, Tony Bennett of the Texas Association of Manufacturers. And, Tony, before the break, I mentioned some of the biggest misconceptions about manufacturing. And and I want to have you tie into your answer a concern that I think not just the gray hairs have, but uh, even the folks over... 35 in manufacturing have with work ethic, uh, which I hear come up repeatedly. So give us kind of a read of what you're hearing from your members on, you know, some of the misconceptions about manufacturing and where they see the work ethic today. Well, uh, manufacturing jobs, you know, in the past were, uh, you know, it was just the, uh, the stereotypical uh, hard hat, lunch bucket type a stereotype that uh, we are still today challenged to get out of the heads of not only kids today but 
but even their parents, the school counselors, teachers, uh, public opinion leaders that, uh, you know, folks are still just now learning that uh, today's manufacturing uh, plant and today's manufacturing worker uh, is high-tech, sophisticated, and uh, an incredible, uh, uh, you know, 180 from what happened 40 and 60 years ago. And so we are. We continue to be challenged by uh, by that, and we must uh, educate and reboot. Um, you know, folks out there that uh, can have an influence on whether or not uh, somebody even remotely gets interested in joining the manufacturing workforce. So that remains a challenge, but I think we will achieve uh, what we're trying to get done there, and we're, we're optimistic that we can turn folks around. And many times it takes just one visit to a, a manufacturing plant that is operating today. And uh, Minds change rapidly. And I think that's right. Now, I know that you also expect a lot of construction in the state of Texas, say, over the next 10 years. How's the labor shortage going to affect that, Tony? We are expecting uh, tens of billions of dollars in new plant expansion and construction. Uh, you know, uh, probably the largest uh, share of that coming from the shale, oil, and gas uh, boom that we're seeing down in uh, South Texas with Eagle Ford and and reworking the Permian Basin oil fields of, of West Texas. And uh, there's no end in sight for uh, the surplus of uh, petroleum liquids that will be flowing to uh, plants uh, all across the state. Uh, via pipeline and and truck transport and rail, bringing uh, all of these uh, petroleum liquids to the various uh, plants that take those uh, take take the raw material and make it into plastics, chemicals, or power their own plants to make a host of products uh, that are exported all over the world. Does that answer your question? Or you? Just a side comment, Tony. Uh, I remember 30, 40 years ago, the, the expectation was that we had about 30, 40 years of oil left. And right. now your, your comment about there's no end in sight is uh, refreshing to hear. So thank you for that. True. We're, we're hearing that there, there's now a 100-year supply of reserves and here in the last few years um, the uh, various operators that are that are uh, are in uh, the Eagle Ford or the Tuscaloosa Marine Shale or the Klein Shale or the Permian Basin they're now saying there are other levels of oil fields uh, that uh, they were not aware of and so uh, we can see where uh, this uh, oil boon can uh, go on for decades, uh, not to mention um, the Mexican government trying to 
rewrite their constitution so that they can have the same activity uh, south of the Rio Grande, which will help the U.S. and the Mexican economy in uh, North America, generally speaking. So it's pretty exciting to see this. And, Tim, I think you asked what the impact would be on <laughs> on employment and the availability of workers. And uh, that 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 remains to be seen, but... Uh, it is hard to get workers. Uh, we've heard stories of uh, of even restaurant workers in Midland, Texas, being paid a bonus to come to work. You know, in a restaurant, <laughs> and uh, the lack of housing uh, availability for workers, and um, you know, these folks having to live in trailers and and man camps and woman camps and uh it's uh it's quite uh it's you know it's uh it's like a gold rush almost it's uh it's exciting but it does bring its challenges but i think we'll figure out ways of of taking care of these challenges i think that we need to bring franklin roosevelt back to bring back the wpa to help <laughs> uh build our infrastructure our roads our bridges uh, our dams, our electronic, uh, our electric grid, and so on. Uh, they're not addressing these issues. And uh, do, do you have any uh, thoughts on that, uh, Tony? We we are going to have an interesting legislative session dealing with transportation infrastructure, in particular. This session we dealt with uh, water infrastructure and how we might finance those things. Um, those sorts of projects, and uh, we'll, of course that will continue this session, but uh, we're very much behind on building uh, and modernizing and keeping up with uh, the repair work needed on our roads and bridges in, in Texas. Uh, there's no doubt it's true across the country, but with the very, very fast growth of, uh, of a, what is it, a thousand people moving every day to the state of Texas, uh, we are, we are strangling our larger cities and, uh, you know, the cost of doing nothing is overwhelming, uh, to our, our citizens and our businesses and our logistics networks. Uh, we have got to keep up and catch up with our highway infrastructure in our state. And uh, we hope to make great headway with that issue this session. Uh, another issue that uh, really isn't spoken about on a national level to any great degree, but uh, I've heard a lot about it down in Texas, and that's about your drought, and uh, which is now going on, I think, uh, three years. Uh, happy anniversary. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that you're so close to water, um, how come desalination has not become a, uh, a big buzzword and a big technology for not only uh, the Texas, uh, but the West Coast, California, and so on? Uh, it's been proven uh, in the Mideast, uh, in Israel, for example. Uh, that, comp- that country survives on desalination plants. And I know it's expensive, but um, it works. And uh, that would certainly be a good good place to put some of our uh, our, our workers and, and, and train them in, into that whole manufacturing process. Very true, Lou. We can, 
we can already see uh, some uh, development in that area specifically, uh, for example, in the Corpus Christi area where water is, is very, very much in short supply, but there's huge industries, chemical and refining, refining industry in, in the Corpus Christi area. And leaders down there are looking at uh, desal as as the uh, the opportunity. Uh, they've been looking at the San Diego uh, project in Southern California. They have been studying uh, the possibility since desal. Really, the cost is really an energy cost to make make the water uh, potable. Uh, you know, just the energy uh, cost alone is what makes it so expensive. So maybe uh, with our electricity generation needs, uh, we might be able to combine both uh, a, a uh, you know, a natural gas uh, generation plant with a desal project and make it even cheaper. Uh, when uh, the the plant really isn't needed to run uh, electrons through the wire, maybe it can be used to clean salt water, and that could be seawater or it could be the brackish groundwater that uh, you know the oil and gas industry uh, deals with on a daily basis. So that all of this is being looked at uh, for uh, economically. Uh, uh, palatable answers to uh, both the water supply issue and also the electricity um, power grid issue. Maybe combining those two, you're going to see. You're, I think you're going to see advancement in that area in Texas. Well, I know there's a thousand people moving into Texas a day. That used to be a California bragging statistic. They may be coming from California as California tries to dig themselves out of a monstrous hole, and they're taxing their manufacturers probably uh, to the point where they're headed to Texas as well. Do you see any migration happening uh, that you can actually document, Tony? There is a lot of um, California folks moving here. Um, uh, right here in Austin alone, uh, a lot of California technology uh, folks are moving here. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see that. Uh, uh, no doubt uh, the same uh, manufacturer, uh, manufacturing factory in California, if it, if it were able to afford to uh, lock, stock, and barrel and move here in Texas, their profit margins would would increase, in our opinion, dramatically just on the tax rate alone. And uh, there was some uh, talk about uh, what uh, employees at Toyota would see, for example, in the way of a raise just by going from California to the great state of Texas where there's no personal income tax. So, uh, you know, both the, the businesses and the individuals moving here, not to mention the fact that housing is significantly cheaper here uh, if you're coming from west to east uh, to Texas. So uh, there's, a, there's a big difference, and uh, folks are realizing it once they, once they get here, and they're pleasantly surprised. Does Texas uh, have similar programs like North Carolina and South Carolina 
offering uh, tax abatements and uh, uh, no no taxation on profits and uh, no taxation on property and so on for those companies that move from point A to uh, the southern states. I know we do. We have we have a, a myriad of incentives and abatements and. Um, we can put together a very nice package for, uh, depending on what the industry is and the size of the industry. We, uh, the state uh, leadership, has made it uh, a priority to make sure that we remain competitive uh, with uh, tax incentives and relocation incentives. Uh, some of the, those incentives will be questioned and possibly reformed somewhat uh, this legislative session 2015 there are those that that would like to label it corporate welfare and crony capitalism and all those cute little phrases Uh, and you know we do need transparency we do need an audit of some of these uh, if we have a clawback provision in some of these incentives and the deal uh, a deal is made on how many jobs you will create, et cetera, and in return you'll get you know the tax breaks, et cetera, and and those things don't happen, then I can, you know anybody any reasonable person would understand that there would be clawback provisions. So those sorts of things need to be looked at, but Texas definitely needs to have uh, a competitive. Uh, economic development package, and we don't need to throw all of our tools out. Uh, I don't expect that to happen, but I do expect transparency and some audit uh, provisions to be added to some of our incentive programs, and we do we do have quite a few that are allowing us to stay competitive. Glad to hear that, and uh, New York State, for example, uh, has started a very proactive uh, program uh, back about less than a year ago, and you can't watch television in the New York area without seeing something put out by the uh, state government about about the same uh, uh, We see topic. it down here. Uh-huh. Is we that see right? those spots down here, yes, they're being very aggressive, and and many states are. Louisiana, our neighbor to the east, uh, Governor Bobby Jindal has done a, a very good job keeping uh, keeping his state in the running in the horse race of uh, attracting these major uh, plants and uh, facilities that bring thousands of jobs and and lots of capital and tax wealth to his state. So. Uh, he's given us a run for for the money, but we're I think we're able to keep up with him pretty well. Well, Tony, we would sure like to thank you for being a guest on the show today. You shared a lot of terrific information with our listeners, and we uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to be our guest. Glad to do it, and I've enjoyed it very much, Tim and Lou. Terrific, and uh, Lou. Yeah, I'd like to just uh, mention to some of our listeners who uh, may have tuned in late that within uh, 30 minutes, uh, this show will be uh, on uh, Podbean and iTunes and mfgtalkradio.com, and uh, you can listen to the whole show at that time. Uh, 
And uh, Tim, I just want to say uh, goodbye for the day. And Tony, thank you very much for an extremely informative uh, uh, story about what's going on down in Texas. We wish you well. Thank you. My pleasure. And that wraps us up for Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.